podcast listeners, and welcome back to the Rational Face Podcast. Here we have another installment of the Ask the Mormon Sex Therapist with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Normally I have Laurel here with me, but she has been uh, detained. She's not available, so you've just got me, but we still have Jennifer. I won't be the one answering. Jennifer will. Jennifer, can you say hello? (laughs) Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. So before we get started in asking and answering these questions, are there any other announcements? Do you have any uh, workshops or anything coming up? Uh, Yes. So I am going to be doing... um, I'm expanding my online course, which won't actually be online until probably next year, but I'm working on expanding the curriculum of the Art of Desire course. So I've been doing um, some live workshops. I just did one in Seattle a few weeks ago. I'll be doing one in Walnut Creek in the Bay Area in a couple of weeks, although that has sold out or, or closely close. I think we have maybe two spots left right now, but anyway, that will have sold out. I am very likely going to be doing it in Orange County, um, and it will be even a little bit longer than the Bay Area and Seattle one. Um, so I'll be doing that probably in June. And then I will also do the same workshop, the longer version in Salt Lake sometime in August, I think. So if you're interested in those things, you can just go onto my website and under the events tab, you'll see uh, as those get set in stone, meaning the dates and the venue and so on, then you can find them there. Okay. So working on developing some courses and some uh, workshops coming up. Yep. All right. That sounds good. So let's jump right into these questions. Two questions on infidelity. um, And I guess I'll just jump right into the first one, which is infidelity from a male perspective. Love the podcast. Thanks for consistently producing such great content. I have a question for Dr. Finlayson Fife. I've been married to my wife for 15 years, and I just recently, in the last few months, learned of several sexual and emotional affairs my wife has had over the last three years. We have two kids, ages six and four, and it's been a crushing, difficult time. I've been going to counseling and have had many deep conversations with my wife to better understand the reasons behind the affairs and their meaning. In a nutshell, one, the affairs weren't about me being deficient as a husband, father, lover, etc. Two, my wife claims to have overpowering urges to be validated, adored, and pursued by men. And three, my wife had a troubled childhood and has never known her biological father, which we believe is a contributing factor. She claims she continued loving me through all this. She has been reading Helen Fisher's work and claims to be able to love multiple people at the same time. Is that something you have seen before? Do you believe it is possible? She sometimes makes connections to polygamy, which is interesting. Learning of the affairs was a huge shock because our marriage is and was otherwise quite healthy in terms of communication, connection, sex, etc., Now that the affairs are known, it has obviously brought a lot of pain and trauma. As part of her ending things with the other men, my wife has essentially turned off her physical-slash-sexual love master switch, including for me, meaning that our relationship is now very platonic. We believe we still love each other, but love is now a very different kind of love. Sex is basically off the table. One of my main fears is that she will start having affairs again. How hard is it for a philanderer to stop? 
what needs to happen to make that possible. She has chosen to delay going through the church discipline process. I'm not sure if she ever will do so. Her testimony of Jesus Christ and the gospel is currently on shaky ground. At this point, we are seriously considering options like divorce and separation, but we're concerned about the impact to our kids and the financial burden. We live far away from our immediate families, so won't have much support network here. We are also considering continuing living together in a platonic relationship until the kids are older. As I said above, we generally get along well, except for these affairs, which are obviously a huge deal. Have you ever seen that type of a marriage work? Is it possible to live in a family and only have platonic love for your spouse? If we do that, what are the implications to me, my wife, our kids, and others? Thank you in advance for your input as I try to determine what's best for me. Okay, very challenging situation. So let me just start with some of the questions. There were a lot of questions there, and I don't want to lose track of them. But one is, is it possible to love more than one person? I would say to that, yes, definitely. If what you're asking is, is it possible to have strong, positive feelings towards more than one person? I would say there's no question. And one of the challenges of monogamy or just marriage in general is that when you choose someone and you make a commitment to someone, that doesn't necessarily preclude you from being able to continue to feel attraction or desire or positive feelings towards other people. And that monogamy is, by definition, a sort of choosing to uh, choosing one person, choosing to direct your sexual energy and your investment towards one person. But human beings generally want monogamy in the sense that they want a person that's there for them, a special person. Uh, but that isn't necessarily that monogamy is natural. Monogamy is something we desire, but is is not necessarily easy. And so, yes, it's definitely um, relatively easy, okay, to have positive feelings towards other people. Um, however, if you're going to define love as being invested in in another person and in their well-being, which is the virtuous version of love then I would say it's difficult to be invested in the well-being of multiple sexual partners, particularly if one of them, um, you know, namely the questioner in this instance, wants a monogamous and exclusive relationship. So you can have positive feelings, you know, cathexis, but not necessarily do what's in the beloved's best interests. And so I think positive feelings is kind of cheap love. And again, investment is, is a virtuous version of love. Um, I do think, you know, it's, it's worth saying that there are people that have open marriages and for probably a small percentage of couples, this works, but usually even in a context of sexual openness, there's an understanding of an emotional and sexual bond that's protected for the primary couple. So people, even if they will choose some kind of level of sexual diversity in their marriages consensually, they still are trying to hold on to some degree of it, of specialness or exclusiveness, as challenging as that may sound to some of the people listening, which I think it is very challenging. But I think when sexual non-exclusivity is especially painful is when it's not consensual which is, of course, the case here, and when it's been hidden or stolen from the other person. So I think that the obvious problem in, in 
the questioner situation is that your wife has gone to get the sexual validation from others without your knowledge, without your agreement. And I think she perhaps wants monogamy from you, right? Like this is often the case. We want the security of our spouse choosing monogamy, but we want the um, validation and the sexual validation of polyamory for ourselves. That's what people who have affairs want. And, um, you know, and it's, it's because they aren't certain that their spouse would continue to choose them in the face of their infidelity. That's exactly the reason that they keep the information from them. Um, and, and the, in, you know, part of the indecency of it is that you're keeping your spouse from being able to make a decision for himself or herself. And so it's really painful for people who find out that their spouse has been cheating on them for multiple reasons. It's not only that they didn't seem to desire you sufficiently and they found someone else compelling, but that you now understand your your spouse or your wife in this instance is willing to lie to you, is willing to withhold information that they knew you would want to have and willing to share what you thought was exclusively yours with someone else the level of sexual connection. And it sounds like she's being pretty clear. It's the sexual validation that's compelling. I'm not saying you're insufficient. And that's very likely true that, you know, affairs are seldom driven. I mean, sometimes they are, but a lot of times we construct them as if affairs are an expression of the inadequacy of the, of the loyal partner. And, Usually affairs are some variation of the desiring of validation from other potential sexual partners and or an expression of contempt for their marriage partner. Um, so it's, it's not driven around sexuality as much as we would think as it is around the issues of validation and sometimes hostility. Um, so... I mean, I think the fact that I think partly what you're trying to sort out is several things. One is who your wife is and who you are um, in relationship to her and whether or not you trust that she actually wants to choose you exclusively. I don't know entirely from the question, but it doesn't sound like she's coming and saying, I really screwed up. I feel deep regret. I really want you. I, you know, I feel like I've thrown my own integrity away in pursuing the sexual validation of men in this way. And if you'll forgive me, I want this, our marriage. Okay. Because that is the case for some people that they, they kind of lose a hold of themselves. They really go uh, counter to their own integrity. And that's a very different marriage to repair. It sounds like in this question, she's not yet clear what she wants. She's not clear if she wants marital exclusivity. She's not clear that she wants to repent through a church process or even really even between you, it sounds like. And so I think that it, it it puts you up against a different set of questions because I think you're right when you're saying, what does it take for a philanderer to stop philandering? Well, 
what I would say is it, it takes somebody who doesn't want to be that person, who doesn't want to be a philanderer, doesn't want to be deceptive, who doesn't want to have sex with multiple people um, against your knowledge. And, um, and I think if they're not, if your spouse is not clear that that's what she wants to offer, and that's who she wants to be is monogamous and faithful to you. I think the chances are high that she would continue to seek other sexual partners. So I think that you're faced with a choice barring her actually showing up differently than I'm assuming of whether or not you want to be in a marriage in which there, in which you don't have a spouse that is going to offer you what you want. And so I think the cost for you is what would it be like for me to know I'm not really being chosen and I don't have a guarantee of it based in her decisions and her desires. I think that's for you to figure out. Do I want the comfort and security of what is familiar while knowing I'm not really being chosen or do I want to disengage from a marriage in which I'm not be clearly being chosen sexually and emotionally, um, knowing that it will be disruptive to our children, disruptive to our lives, but I can hold my dignity more in that. I think what really undermines happiness in, in a marriage like this is not, it's because people have a very difficult time truly agreeing to a different set of parameters in which it's non-sexual, knowing that one person is pursuing others sexually. Seldom do, are able people able to actually co-parent and function collaboratively in that kind of meaning frame, um, which is not me saying that I know that you couldn't. It's just very challenging because it's such a invalidating frame. The other thing I think that you brought up was the question of basically of her shutting off her sexuality that used to be that your sex life was good and that it seemed satisfying. And so... You know, it it could be if she does feel conflicted about her sexual behavior more than I'm recognizing. It, it could be a way of kind of shutting her sexuality off across the board, like you said, um, and that she's trying to make sense of. She doesn't trust her own impulses and feelings, and so she's trying to kind of shut it down. It may be that it's too fraught for the two of you, given what has happened and the meanings and the doubts about who you are as a couple that that have infected the relationship that you once had. And so it, it this is what the one I'm sort of leaning towards is that it feels like it's so fraught now and so unresolved about what you each want and what you each choose that having sex is too anxiety evoking and uncomfortable. And so, and and maybe your wife kind of is hoping that you could, settle for a friend friendly marriage while she sorts out what she wants sexually in other arenas. But I, I guess, again, I see you as both being up against a choice. Your wife has to choose if she's going to choose you exclusively or not. And uh, is she going to manage her desire for sexual validation from men and, you know, manage the part of her that is just trying to get that and see if she can develop herself to not pursue that kind of sexual validation, right? To do what she believes is more stronger or more 
solid of a choice to make as a person, as a woman, or does that not matter enough to her? So that's, that's kind of what she has to define for herself. And I think the choice that you, the questioner is up against is if you're willing to tolerate, depending a bit on your spouse's choice, are you willing to tolerate not being chosen by her? Knowing that she was willing to prevaricate and to lie to you, are you able to stay in a marriage knowing that she was willing to do that and and not being clear, at least yet, of whether or not she'd be willing to continue to do that? You know, if if on the other hand, I'm, I'm misreading your wife through the question and she really doesn't want to be that person in pursuit of male validation and she really wants to be someone capable of commitment and of a monogamous um, commitment to you and she feels remorseful and wants to change that, then I think you then you are offered a different choice and a much better choice of how to try and move your relationship forward. But in the face of not getting that, then then I think your choices are much harder uh, around whether or not you're going to to take what's being offered or to not choose the marriage. As I read the question and then as you're talking about it, one of the things that was surprising was, uh, and maybe it's not surprising, but I think you'd, you'd mentioned a little bit that most, or maybe not most, but many um, instances of infidelity are not a surprise because there's something else that's dysfunctional in the relationship, or at least that's the frame that I had. And this mm-hmm. seems to have mm-hmm. blindsided him that, you know, they, yeah. they didn't, they didn't have a sexless marriage. They, yes. uh, according to his perspective, they were communicating well. And then somehow he found out that that really wasn't the case, at least not, uh, yes. not completely. Yes. Um, so how often right. is it this surprise and how often is it? Well, I saw this coming from, from your experience. Um, that's a good question. Well, the, there's maybe two pieces in what you're saying. I would say that the idea that affairs happen in fractured marriages, uh, dysfunctional marriages, mm-hmm. is a compelling idea, but not true. Okay. And, um, you know, all it takes is a willingness to take the validation of someone else who's going, who has sexual energy towards you to undermine what you have in a monogamous relationship. It's not hard really to do. And that is to say, you know, to create a monogamous marriage, when you really choose another person, that's the harder part. And I'm not saying that means we shouldn't do it. In fact, I think there's something incredible about really knowing you are chosen and that you choose another person, given that it really is a choice. This is not because it's always easy. Uh, not because you never have any other feelings than love and affection for your spouse, but you choose to invest in their well-being anyway. That's what makes marriage so special is the recognition of it being that when it is that. Right. Many people relate to marriage more like taking hostages and, uh, you know, you owe me sexually and you owe me validation and you owe me all these things. And, and then when I don't get it, I have enough resentment that I want to go seek it elsewhere or whatever. But that's not virtue. Um, that's about using other people in the name of marriage. A virtue in marriage is saying, I really do choose you despite other possibilities. And even when it's hard, that's the virtue in that commitment. So, you know, some people will betray a commitment 
rather easily because of the positive feelings that are connected to affairs. People wouldn't have affairs if they didn't feel good and they feel good. Um, so I think even when um, your current marriage is doing, supposedly doing well, yeah. Functional oh yeah. Yeah. Satisfying. I mean, that's right. And what I would say is a, a marriage seldom can compete with the high validation of an affair, right? Because as even if a marriage is really a good enough, decent, happy enough marriage, it still has the day-to-day, you know, your spouse knows you, they know your limitations, they, they're not, you know, walking around telling you how beautiful and amazing you are at all times. That's just part of um, the reality of marriage where when you think you're compelling someone because you're so attractive, you're compelling them against what's conventional or acceptable or whatever, that can feel very intoxicating for people. And so affairs are you know really our 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 narcissistic tendencies really get uh stroked so to speak in an affair or even in in affair energy being directed towards us and so it is a function of reaching for your higher self to not engage that validation and still assert your choice towards your imperfect partner and so you know, some, some of us don't succeed in that. Some of us don't choose it. And it's really painful to be on the other side of that, especially when you were the devout partner, uh, the resolute partner. And so I think, um, and it's hard to not take it personally. What I would say is sometimes people, you know, in the second question, we have another one coming on of the female version of a female version of an affair she talked about sort of having a prompting to read her husband's emails and it may have been a prompting, but often what it is, is you start mapping that something is off in your spouse and you can't, can't quite put it together. Right. There's pieces that aren't lining up and Mm -hmm. you can't quite make sense of it. And some people go right towards that and are trying to make sense of what doesn't make sense. Other people are anxious about what might be there. And so they collude in not finding out what's not fitting together. That, you know what I mean? They don't want to know what might be happening. And so they kind of go blind mm-hmm. to who their spouse is. And so then part of the, the distress of an affair is not just finding out that your spouse was willing to lie to you, but your own awareness of your difficulty mapping reality, your difficulty mapping what is who your spouse really is and your ability to be uh, deceived, essentially. Yeah, and being forced to face your fear yes exactly and as i'll talk about in the next question where i think it often pressures the resolute spouse is around you know they're looking for a signal from their spouse that the spouse is trustworthy they want reassurance from the same person that betrayed them you know they want reassurance from the same person that was willing to lie to them and so they're trying to solve the issue of the affair by in many ways doing the same thing that got them into the into trouble in the first place. Right. And so, yeah. And in, in many other relationships, that would end the relationship immediately in a business transaction type relationship. That's right. Once you've screwed up once, it's over. There's it's rare to have That's right. forgiveness. That's right. Hmm. And oftentimes the reason we quote unquote forgive and stay with somebody that we don't trust is because we don't want 
to develop ourselves enough to tolerate the autonomy, the aloneness, the pressure that that would require on us to really forge our own development in our own lives. And so we would rather delude ourselves that the person is trustworthy when we don't really track that they are. And then we can call it forgiveness and think of ourselves as virtuous mm. <laughs> often. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, uh, since we're kind of already talking about it, let's read yeah, the, sure. the next question, which is from a female perspective, as you said, and uh, I'll go ahead and do my best reading it. I've been married for about a decade and we have two kids. Since the beginning of our marriage, I was very aware that my husband had a pornography addiction. However, at the time we married, I was not active in the church, and he was not a member, so I wasn't heavily concerned until I kept finding pornography frequently. About two years after marriage, he was baptized, and we had our first son. His addiction seemed under control, and I would only find pornography on rare occasions. We would fight about his slips, as we called them, and I would forgive, and we'd move on. He gave me his passwords to his accounts as some sort of gesture to build trust. We had been to couples counseling and even group counseling. It seemed to help for short periods of time. Fast forward to 2013. I found out my husband was having an affair. I did not find out because he told me. I found out because I was sending an email for him at my work. Our laptop was broken and I was prompted to check his sent files. In those files, I found pictures of another woman, all of her. We were going to therapy at the time, and after him denying anything sexual took place, he told me a girl just sent him those pictures unsolicited. I scheduled an appointment with our therapist. It was there that he decided to come clean and admit to the affair. He told me it was a one-time deal, even though according to him, the girl tried to arrange more meetings. He told me at the time he didn't even finish because... He felt too guilty and couldn't hold an erection. I was devastated, hurt, confused, and honestly, I felt dumb. I am a counselor myself, and I felt like I should have known better than to stay married to a man that was so addicted he could not stay faithful. After much contemplation and prayer, I decided to stay with him. This was not the answer I wanted. I was hoping this could finally be the end. However, I never felt like leaving him was my answer. His pornography addiction has decreased, however, it has not disappeared. His activity in the church has been spotty since the affair, and he has struggled with his own testimony. These things are aspects I feel I can handle as they come. Fast forward to now, we have been working hard together to repair our marriage. We have better communications now than ever before. However, sex seems to be the last piece of healing for me. When he approaches me for sex, I get anxious. Not about the act of it, I've always loved sex with my husband, but thoughts of his affair pop in my head. I feel like he doesn't deserve sex from me. My husband has been sweet as we have tried to put our marriage back together and has let me take the reins over our sex life. We only do it when I feel safe to do it. However, I miss the feeling of him initiating and me feeling wanted. For some reason, I can't seem to clear my head of his infidelity almost every time we try to have sex. On rare occasions, it's not an issue. I want to fully forgive because if I'm staying in this marriage, I want it to be a complete marriage. I feel like I am missing the connection piece of intimacy. I have sex when it feels good to me. He seems fine with that, but I want to feel more connected to him than I have in the last four years. Is it possible to get that connection back after infidelity? How can I have a healthy sex life with my husband again? 
I understand there are so many parts to recovering from an affair, and we have done lots and lots of work in many areas, but still need help. I've always found answers in your podcast, and I'm hoping you can help. So I guess what I, maybe what I would say is that it sounds like you're having difficulty trusting your spouse still, and maybe trusting his desire for you, or that he's really chosen you sincerely. That's my gut, okay, about why you're having difficulty. And um, it sounds like you've done a lot of work as a couple and you feel some reassurance. And if you were on the call or I could ask you, I would be curious about like what kind of work you've been doing. What has made you feel um, that a repair is is happening? I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I'm just saying I'm trying to kind of put together what kind of forward movement has happened and what the meaning of it is. Um, you know, here's just some thoughts that I have, and I don't know if they're really in the right order yet, but I think the fact that you being the one that initiates sex certainly can feel like a, a an important way or a valuable way to feel in control again, given how out of control I can imagine you felt in learning that your husband was willing to lie to you and learning that he was capable of having an affair. Um, but it doesn't give you what I think you want and what you're looking for, which is the reassurance or the clarity that he really does choose you. Um, so I think, let me see, I'm just trying to be organized here. So let me just, um, go to the beginning a bit. I think that it's really challenging that your spouse didn't come to you. It's one thing if your spouse comes to you and says, I want you to know that I have been having an affair or that I had this slip up or I did this thing because it suggests that it's their integrity, their own crisis within themselves that they're coming and telling you something that's not beneficial to them for you to know in, in, in the immediate sense. And it's the pressure of their integrity and their sense of responsibility to you that they come forward with the information. It's much harder to find information for people because it's, you are left with the question of would they have come to me? And then when I confront him with it, he prevaricates and he gives a picture that's that is, is is all innocent i can't remember exactly what the first version of it was and then i mean to his credit in the front of a counselor he comes clean at least somewhat and admits to what was going on um and then i think tries to say you know but it was minimal and I, it was only one time and she was the one who was pursuing and i didn't finish and those kinds of things they may all be true but your husband has demonstrated to you his willingness to lie and deceive. And so it makes it much harder to really track, do I believe that that's true? Okay. And, or is he just doing more of the same, which is managing the picture of him that I have in my head. So, um, a second thing I just want to kind of say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have some questions for you to consider. I think it's really important to make a distinction between forgiveness and trusting someone again. They're two different things. In my view, to forgive someone, uh, it's to not live with bitterness and contempt 
for the spouses your choices made your your the choices your spouse made whether or not you ever reconcile with them whether or not you ever deem them as trustworthy in the future right so forgiveness is for the sake of the betrayed that is that you are able to metabolize the hard thing that happened to you without setting up a tent in resentment, okay? And to move forward despite what someone else has done to you. Um, whether or not you have any connection with that person or trust them ever again is a secondary, it's a second question, it's a different question. So I know people who have forgiven but not reconciled. I know people who have reconciled and never forgiven meaning they're still together, but they let their spouse know every day that they hate them. <laughs> okay. So, um, so just to make a distinction in those things, I think the question you're trying to grapple with is whether or not you trust him. And trust is not for your husband to demonstrate to you. It's for you to assess whether or not you believe he's trustworthy. Right. So as I was saying before the question um, is that a lot of times we're trying to get the person that was untrustworthy to to reassure us that they're trustworthy rather than pressuring ourselves to discern and ascertain whether or not we believe they are worthy of our trust and whether or not we think that they have gone through a process or demonstrated in their behavior and their actions and so on, that they are genuinely functioning in the marriage with greater integrity. And so, you know, I remember once a couple came in to see me and the husband was presenting a picture that was, uh, that I no longer am having these issues around infidelity. And it was a very, he was offering the narrative and I just you know, I kind of saw a contradiction in what he was saying. And so I said, how do you put these two pieces together? And then it didn't go together. And then I asked him another question. Uh, how does that go together with this? And, and it didn't hold together and, and tell me. How. And so basically in the course of the interview, his whole narrative fell apart right in front of his wife because there wasn't integrity. And I remember her asking me in a session or two or three later, how did you do that? H how did you, at the first time meeting him, undo his entire narrative that I couldn't see through. And I remember saying to her, basically when someone has integrity, it doesn't matter any way in which you cut through the narrative, it holds together because there's literal integrity in their position. And so oftentimes when we are the one who wants to trust our spouse, we don't take responsibility for really discerning the trustworthiness of the person that has told us they have forgiven, uh, they have repented or they have uh, shifted their stance. So the questions that I think the questioner might consider is, is to ask herself this, do I believe in my soul that my husband is worthy of my trust? Do I believe that he has demonstrated genuine remorse and a desire to be a different person like does he regret is he in conflict about who he was or do i see him more as sort of managing that i see him that way and how do i understand why he had the affair like what was functioning in him that he could justify it uh, like entitlement or resentment about our relationship or you know how did how do i understand how he chose it 
And do I believe that he or we as a couple have dealt with the that aspect of himself that made an affair possible? Meaning, has that been dealt with inside of him? Um, do I believe he doesn't want to be the person he was in his in his meaning? Does he himself not want to be that person, irrespective of what you feel about it? Okay, or do I think he has some regret, but is perhaps mostly managing my feelings or trying to get me to believe in him again so that I won't go anywhere or that I won't be unhappy with him, but more it's about managing my feelings than it is about who he is. And I think if it's the latter, what I'm saying, where it's more around managing your view of him than who you really perceive him to be, then you're not trusting him for a reason, right? So, you know, I think that if you believe he is trustworthy, okay, but you're still having difficulty trusting or that in the moment of sex, your anxiety is coming up, then you then want to ask yourself, why am I moving into my anxiety? Now, for some people, it could be they really do see their spouse has genuinely changed. They genuinely believe they're in a different position. And yet, upon having sex, they, the, there's flashbacks, there's grief, there's the sense of loss that are all genuine uh, feelings, even if you really do believe your spouse really is remorseful and is really changing and dealing with himself or herself, depending on the situation, there still can be grief because there is a loss in the couple. Now, usually when people really recover from an affair, it's not that they just sort of, how to say it, duct tape the, the, ter- the, the attachment tear back together. They've actually evolved to be a different kind of couple. They've dealt with who they were as a couple. And they have started to create something different with more integrity in it. It's sort of each really understanding themselves in relationship to that affair. Even if their only relationship to it was to be too dependent or too naive, right? And so if if that evolution hasn't happened, it's going to be, it's it's sort of foolish to trust again because there's not something qualitatively different in which to trust. If that evolution has happened and you're still anxious, then it's more a function of grief and loss and recognizing when, when I've seen couples really heal and really create something different, they start to have a cohesive narrative between them around what the affair represented. There are losses connected to it but they have created something different between them as an as a as a result of what they learned as painful as it was um, about themselves and each other in the process of recovering from an affair so i think you might want to just sort out what your anxiety is trying to express for you and if it means you need to grieve more but recognize the real meaningful progress has happened that's okay and and sort of being patient and compassionate towards yourself as you do it? Or is it indicating that in the moment of high vulnerability of sex, what you have tried to patch together but you're still unclear about is now coming out? Then I think you need to deal with what am I still not clear about? And uh, how can I get the help I need to to deal with what I'm not clear about? One of the tricky things in here is 
the uh, trusting someone that's broken your trust again, that's that's had an affair. Um, and I think you touched on this, the fact that you can't look for a certain signal in this person or a, mm-hmm. a behavior that's going to tell you, okay, they're trustworthy now because they were trustworthy before and they had an affair and they mm-hmm. could act, they could behave in any way that you wanted them to and yeah. appear to be trustworthy, but in reality they're just better at deception or That's right. or something like that. They can play the same role that they played before and pretend to be trustworthy and still That's not right. be. Yes, and many people who have been found out are are quite shrewd. You know, they're they're very good at tracking what does this person want to feel from me or believe from me to trust me again. And they may even recognize they're married to somebody who wants very much to trust, so much so that they are easy to convince on some level of your trustworthiness. And so sometimes you have somebody who is, you're married to somebody who is very willing to deceive and is very good at it. And so, yeah, I think if you're looking for a simple reassurance, that that's part of the challenge is if you want a reassurance too badly, uh, you will probably get the signal that all is well and it may well not be. Yeah. And so, yes, it's not a single behavior. It's really about learning to trust yourself and your willingness to deal with reality and your willingness to kind of deal with what doesn't fit together. Um, you know, I trust my spouse, but that's not the same thing as saying that I am that I would ever say I trust him a hundred percent as in, I would give up my responsibility of mapping who he is and keeping track of who he is and his choices because it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know, that you to have integrity and to function well is to always be discerning about whom you're in relationship with and whether or not it's still the right thing to be in relationship with that person or entity based on their choices. And so it's we want a world often in which we can be fully dependent and know all as well. Um, but that's not the way that adult relationships function. And so part of trusting a spouse who has once lied is learning to trust your own ability to discern mm. And when you can discern that they have genuinely taken themselves on and have evolved because they want to be a better person, they don't just want you to think they're a better person. So in some ways you're saying it's like an ongoing effort. Like I guess one way would be you're always on guard or you're always alert and just aware of the behavior of your spouse and how well that matches up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if on guard is necessarily quite the word I would use because it it, well, <laughs> you're always nervous and looking out. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, that you have to constantly be vigilant and, you know, and, yeah. and skeptical. Have However, your notebook where you're writing yeah. everything down. <laughs> you left at 702. You know, uh, but it but it is kind of being willing to that you'd be willing um, to confront an issue or you know, if you needed to, and so you're, you're able to sort of respond to the data that's there 
and when it doesn't line up, you walk towards it, not away from it. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah. mm-hmm. more confidence in yourself to deal with. Yes. The, the with reality. They come. Yep. Yes. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's a lot, I think a lot to chew on there. Uh, two different perspectives, two different situations. Uh, I think both were surprised, um, but, and not, Obviously not happily. Um, yeah. But uh, really, really rough thing to deal with. Absolutely. Very hard. Very hard. So we covered a lot of ground on uh, infidelity. Uh, never a pleasant experience to to go through. Uh, but I think there's a lot to think about that you've given the, um, us and the listeners. Um, so... Thank you, Jennifer, for answering more questions. Uh, we'll try next time to get Laurel here with us again. Thank you, and we'll You're welcome. Th- we'll see you in a month or so. Good. Thanks, Brian. All right.